folks, and welcome to Hey Adora, your queer Shiver podcast. My name is Force Captain F. They, them. And I am Princess Jenny, she, her. And today we are talking about mother fucking princess, princess prom. Princess prom! Princess prom! Princess prom! Or, as we, we, we to like to call it around prom. here, Catra in a suit. Yeah, it's Catherine the suit. It's just the Catherine yep. the suit. Also, the there is no heterosexual explanation for this episode. Yes, there is no heterosexual ep- uh, explanation for this episode. So, just to give everybody kind of a heads up before I get into we get into the cast and you know the crew and everything, um, there's not going to be a gayest moment in this episode. And I think Jenny, I think you can agree with me on this because every single moment in this episode is the gayest moment. And I feel like we would be like you know trying to shove a whole bunch of things in like one small hole. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> There are multiple holes available. There are always multiple holes available. But I still wrote down a whole bunch of gayest moments. I just didn't bother keeping track and I didn't assume that we would really vote. Okay. I just had a lot of really specific moments that it was great to hone in on and be like, this is so fucking gay. You know what? You know? I'm down with that only because you told you said that there are multiple holes. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Yeah, I figured you would be. I, I, you know I am. You're not interested in the whole theory thing, just the multiple holes. I'm really only here for multiple holes. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Princess Prom was written by head writer Josie Campbell, uh, directed by Jen Bennett, and storyboard by Jasmine Goggins, Polly Guo, Kiki Manrique, and the regent of Catradora themselves, Mickey Quinn. Jenny. Mav. We're here. We are here. We made it to prom. I'm so excited. Let's talk about this fucking episode. Every single point in this episode. Ah! Okay. So, uh, let's, let's start off at the top. Adora unfurls a scroll. Yes, she does. Because even though they have fucking iPads on this planet... <laughs> They still send invitations in scroll form. In scroll form. Now, they do say that this is kind of like an old-fashioned type of, you know, traditional yes. type of thing, but still... Under the ancient rules of hospitality. The ancient rules of hospitality of the princesses from time immemorial. Yes. But uh, Adora gets an invite to the all-princess ball with the classic prom theme... Of Winter Wonderland. Winter Wonderland. Yup. Jenny, did you go to proms? Yes, I went to proms, but being at private school, a lot of things are different. Prom is definitely one of them. We had a five school prom because each of our little five independent schools were like way too small to have our own prom. And it was like at the Biltmore, which is a really cool building in downtown Providence. I can uh, vouch for this. The Biltmore is gorgeous. I've done yeah. I've done cons at the Biltmore and it's beautiful. Oh, nice. Yeah. It has this cool glass elevator that you can see the whole city skyline. The Biltmore is really cool. Did you go to prom, Beth? I went to a bunch of proms. Yeah, I bet. I went to my junior prom with my best friend and I remember just kind of walking out being like "Ugh, this is terrible and this girl who i had no idea was queer came up to me and was like how you doing and i just thought she was like messing with me and i was like good (laughs) hi she's like well you look real good today and i was like thanks i got a new suit you know because i'm (laughs) fucking useless i'm 16 years old we're all useless yeah. At 16. Yeah, right? And I'm out in the sense that, like, fucking look at me, but also, and, like, fucking look at me. I'm the president of GSA, but I never, like, was like, I'm wicked gay, you know? But it was... Right. Pr- You're non-verbally out. I was, I mean, people have known I was queer since I, like, 
you know, moved yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know. It was implicit. Yeah. But maybe not explicit. Exactly. Kind of like Princess Prom. Yes. Indeed. Anyway, this girl starts hitting on me and I have no idea what's going on. She's like, do you want to go make out in the bathroom? And I'm like, what? Whoa. I'm like, she's joking. Ha ha ha. I'm useless. Did you go make out in the bathroom? No, because I'm useless. Because I was like, oh, I have to go now. And in Boston every year, um, they had a a queer prom for queer kids. Um, And I went to queer prom a couple of times. And that was really fun. So, yeah, I did go to prom. Um, But, uh, you know, our theme wasn't Winter Wonderland, though. That is a tried and true trope for, for especially for prom films. Oh, yeah. Mine was like, uh, because I graduated in the year 2000. So it was like the class of the future or some some dumb crap like that. Yeah. Yeah. So this prom is way more fun. This prom is way more fun. Than any human proms that we have been to. Absolutely. So Bo and Glimmer are stoked. They are dancing and singing. So first of all, Adora just got this weird formal invitation. She doesn't even understand. She's like, um, what is this? I don't understand. Bo and Glimmer come bursting into the hallway singing. Yeah. Princess prom, princess prom. We are going to princess prom. And they're like bowing and curtsying in a semicircle around the room. As they are, yes. you know, sing, screaming their happiness. They are just as stoked to be going to Princess Prom as we are. Yes, they are. They are both equally stoked. So they are stoked. And, uh, and Adora's like, okay, cool. Y'all are nuts. I'm gonna come back later. I'm gonna come back later. <laughs> uh, and then beautiful, lovely Bo gives us our exposition. The ball is a meeting for all of the princesses. And Glimmer's like, and it's a party. It's a big party. And it only happens once every 10 years. Glimmer's been waiting so long for this. And she finally gets to go. And so in showing how excited Glimmer is... She picks up Adora and swings and dances and dips her. Hey, Jenny, did you notice that when Glimmer dips Adora, she doesn't try to leg fuck her? <laughs> I did not notice, but probably I didn't notice because there was nothing to not notice. Exactly. It was just a normal dip. It's almost like that's just kind of how you dance with people if you're dancing yeah, with them at a prom. Exactly. Especially if, you know, they're just a friend. They're just biffles. No biggies. <laughs> Yes, indeed. But so much contagious happiness. And except for Adora's like, oh, okay, but like, I'm just a princess sometimes. Are you sure I should even go? And everyone is, and Glimmer's like, yeah, yes. you're a princess. Yes, you have to come. You have to come help us recruit Princess Frosta because this is her first time hosting the ball and her kingdom is huge and it's key to our fight against the horde. So yes, you have to come. Okay, so before we get to there though, we do the comedic like scroll drop, right? Where you're like, you think something's going to be shorter and it just like drops on yep. the floor and goes, blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah. This bitch got a lot of rules. This bitch got a lot of rules. Uh, so this is where I'm going to present my thesis for this episode. Okay. So Princess Prom is a cross between a John Hughes 80s teen movie, and it mm-hmm. takes a lot of tropes from oh, yeah. uh, teen movies, specifically 80s prom teen movies, and we're going to see, and we're going to point them out as we go along, because Jenny and I are both very well versed in teen movies from the 80s and 90s. Yes. I don't know if, I'm definitely not the queen of like 80s and 90s teen movies, but you know, we all have our favorites. But we've all seen them, yeah. And, and yeah. prom movies especially. And Jane Austen. Interesting. 
You're going to have to expound a little bit more on that because I am not well-versed in Jane Austen. So uh, one of the, the genre that um, Jane Austen wrote in, one of them is called the uh, Novel of Manners. And the Novel of Manners is a type of uh, fiction written during the Regency period, which is the period in English history after King George III lost his goddamn mind and <laughs> the... Um, the throne was ruled over by a regent. Mm. Um, and it starts in 1811 and then goes to... I don't remember. It's okay. But, so, Regency fiction, one of the most famous examples is Jane Austen. Uh, Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice, uh, Sense and Sensibility, Emma. Sure. Yes. Or Clueless. Clueless is actually yes. a remake of yes. Emma. And I know that. <laughs> and I love Emma. But the novel of manners is one that is uh, a novel that focuses on and i'm just going to get you the definition here it is a novel that focuses on the finely detailed conveying finely detailed observations of customs and etiquettes sometimes it's kind of a piss take sometimes it's you know kind of s sticks to it uh, in a more like true form mm. so sh these are her observations it's not like a prescriptive book of manners. Exactly. It's an observational book of manners. Okay, and a I lot get of it. the conflict comes from having to work within the confines of these social customs. Mm. So she's kind of like entrapped in this scenario. Kind of. Except that she doesn't get to be the outside observer that perhaps she might like to be. Right. I mean, it's like, oh man, you say the wrong thing, wackiness ensues. Right. So Princess Prom is a pastiche, which is a form that, you know, it imitates the style or form of, it says here, a character of work or one of more artists. So it's a teen movie pastiche and a Regency fiction um, novel of manner pastiche. Hence, Jane Austen and John Hughes. I'm totally down with that. Right? But I would also like to add one other thing, which is like, this is the queer prom that so many adult viewers wish they had had and never got to have. Yes, it's all absolutely. It's the wish fulfillment because, you know, it's just this beautiful room filled with all these beautiful queer people and nobody is saying shit. It's not like, what are you queer people doing here? Yep. It's a universe of queer. And this is where we really see, this is the first time we really dig into how homonormative Assyria is. Yeah, the rich tapestry of queer that is represented in this ballroom. Ugh. Jenny, I love this episode. I know, I do too. Ah, yeah. ah, Princess Prom! Princess Prom! To, if you thought that you weren't just going to get like sustained minutes of us gay screaming the entire time, <laughs> you are not. I mean, we're only human for fuck's sake. We're only human for fuck's sake and this is fucking Princess Prom. <laughs> yes. And Princess Frosta, let, you know, exposition, exposition, Kingdom of Snows, She's her magic is incredibly powerful or... Her magic is incredibly powerful. And her kingdom is the biggest. And her kingdom is the and biggest. And so far has remained neutral in the fight against the Horde because they don't need to take yes. a side because they can defend themselves just fine, thank you. Exactly, because nobody wants to deal with the cold weather. Right. And this kind of gives Adora a, f um, a purpose, right? Like Adora oh, yeah. needs a purpose to go party. So this kind of gives Adora a purpose to go party. And Glimmer is like, cool. So anyway, uh, don't worry about anything. We're going to be cool. You're going to be coming with me. You know, you're going right. to, I'll be there with you. And Bo's going to be my plus one. Yep. And about that. We'll, we'll be there together. 
best friend squad at prom. Yep, and Bo is like, I'm going with Perfuma. What? Which is super duper another trope, a teen movie trope of... You know, who are you going to the prom with? Why am I not going to the prom with this person I want to go to with? But also, Aunt Casta called. She would like her voice back. Yeah, legit. That is also, that is a phenomenal, like, a phenomenal choice. Like, a a voice acting choice. Because there are so many different ways that Glimmer could have said the word what in response to Uh Bo saying that he's going with someone else. Yeah. It could have been angry. It could have been domineering. She's just like shocked and taken aback but like she's not about to be like you can't blah 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 but she's like but you don't want what well don't let me get in your like what like yeah also pardon my voice i cannot achieve the same range of uh other people's voices that i can usually do because i've had a little bout of laryngitis but it's much better than it was so you're welcome jenny i'm digging your husky voice oh thank you um tip of the hat to Karen Fukuhara, who plays Glimmer. That's oh, an yeah. excellent choice. Also, I have in my notes, T for T for life. I love my trans for trans couples. Bless them. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're talking about Bo and Perfuma. Yeah. Yes. Love absolutely. you! Absolutely. So then we have some credits. Theme song, blah, blah, blah. We're going to win in the end, or are we? And <laughs> Jenny, Catra's back. Yep. Oh, it's been too long. It's been too long. It's been like at least one episode. Of no Catra. Which is too long. Almost no Catra. Minimal Catra. Minimal Catra. So now let's go straight back to her room in the Fright Zone. How about that? Let's go to let's go to Catra's room. I'm super let's about go. going to Catra's room. Okay. So Catra is pacing in her room and reciting her litany of frustrations. Shadow Weaver failed to get Adora. If Hordak finds out that Shadow Weaver is disobeying him, she'll take them all down with her. She's obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. You think? She's obsessed. Wink! (laughs) Yes. Ergo, it's time for someone new to take over. And that would be me. So, pan back to Scorpia, who is listening to her complain. And so she's like, okay, Scorpia, you in? And Scorpia's like, I'm in your room. Yeah. (laughs) I am good, happy, like girls. Sweet baby Scorpia, good good for you, girl. You 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 get it. Oh, I know. And Cash is just like, oh, <laughs> sure. You're yeah. the only one I can trust right now. And she's like, because we're best because friends. Because we're best friends. <laughs> oh, Catra's line of "stop being so you," <laughs> so bitchy. I know, but that's like dead on Catra. It is dead on Catra's. It's like I still and, like, need you, but stop being you. But I yeah. still like you, but girl. But like Scorpia never lets that shit get to her. It just rolls right off her back. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. And Catcher gives us more exposition. She needs to capture Adora so Shadow Weaver doesn't demote her. She needs to impress Hordak so he'll make her the new Shadow Weaver. How do I do both? Scorpia's like, well, here we go. I have an idea. Why don't we try something at the All Princess Bomb? Ooh, Winter Wonderland. What? What? How did you get your claws on that? Ah, well, it turns out, folks, that Scorpia is actually a princess. You're a princess. And Scorpia's like, I thought you knew. I mean, they covered it in Force Captain Orientation. And Catra's like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have skipped that. And so actually, this is this tiny little nothing. But like, up until now, we have definitely gotten the impression that Catra was not afforded the opportunity 
to go to force captain orientation that she was just sort of thrown in right without training and now they're actually making it seem like she was like fuck this i don't need orientation which like equally plausible fucking i love you catra yeah but then yeah she also gives us scorpia also then gives us the backstory yep. about how the horde got the black garnet crash landed into the scorpion kingdom her grandfather was the one who let them stay and gave them the black garnet right mm-hmm so this episode has some extraordinarily solid acting choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the actor that plays Scorpia, um, her name is Lauren Ash. She's a Canadian comedian. And she adds, the way that she reads this exposition, it feels fresh. Because she's saying it like, well, you know, then this happened. And then da 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 You know, like the lilt that she has in it, it makes it so fresh. And yeah, I agree. Then she really kind of brings the emotion in at the end where she's like, I make them uncomfortable and and they don't like that. And then they don't like me. So she brings it from kind of like this lighthearted, like bounce through and then shifts the tone so beautifully into this like vulnerability. Yeah. That is just wonderful. And we see a couple of points throughout that we're going to point out where she does, you know, she's a comedian, she does improv, and she does some really extraordinary improv work oh in this episode. God. That's she hilarious. It's just so funny. But there was another tiny thing that pinged in my head in this part. You're absolutely right. I agree with everything you just said about her delivery. But also, it's like, wait, so she says, you know, nobody liked her family even before the Horde. And she never fit in with the other princesses. It's like, wait, but you've never been among the other princesses. This all happened two generations before you were born. Yeah, I thought that too. I thought that was more of a like her maybe feeling like she didn't belong and getting the narrative from her family. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I thought too. Um, She said that she made them uncomfortable. Right. And they don't like that. They don't like me. So I'm wondering, like, did the, was there an actual lived experience that Scorpia had? Because we have to assume that this is her first princess prom, too. Right, exactly. This is all of their first princess prom. Yeah, I don't know. And it's not like we see any other any other point in the series. Do we see or learn that there's any sort of, like, all princess quorum, you know? Right. And then later on in season five, when we do eventually have Scorpia come on over to the rebellion side... There's no sign that anyone there knows her or has met her before. Right. Yeah. Season right. four. Season four and then into season five. Yeah. We'll let it go. It's fine. It's fine. But then also, this is a perfect moment of uh, Katra appropriating the situation and turning it around for her own benefit. <laughs> uh. You know, so we've got Scorpia being really raw and vulnerable and saying, you know, that the other princesses don't like her. So she's not going to go to prom because, she, you know, it's too hard for her to know that everyone's uncomfortable with her. And then Catra just pivots it right back around and Scorpio doesn't even notice that she's doing that. And, you know, Catra's like, how dare those princesses pretend they're better than you just because you're different? How dare they abandon people just because they don't fit in with their perfect little lives? Who are we talking about now? Yeah, right? And Scorpio's like, hell yeah, okay, sure. And Catra's like, how, how dare, dare they, they <laughs> take best friends and turn them into giant sword ladies who run off with people clearly inferior to you? And at this point in my notes, I just have gay Catra. Gay. Dude. Yes, but also, like, that. when did that stop being about Scorpia and fully just start being about Catra? 
And Scorpio didn't even seem to notice. Yep. And it's like, you're telling my whole life with your words. And it's like, yes. Yeah, Scorpio responds with Lauren Hill lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> oh, that's legit, though. Yeah. I mean, if Scorpio has anyone that she can say yes to and feel like she's on the same page with even a little bit. It's Catra. She, she's going to be on board. Yeah. And, and she's she already has this like attachment to Catra immediately. Oh, yeah. She's desperate to be on the same page with Catra. Yeah. But this is um, OK. So if we are pointing out gay moments, um, I definitely have this one. <laughs> OK. The, the how dare they take best friends and turn them into giant sword ladies. That's also another thing is that Catra is still not accepting that Adora took this on her own, but rather that yeah. she was taken and right. kind of made to do this. And also it's like, it's definitely the like, ugh, why would you want to date that person? They're obviously not as cool as me. Right. Absolutely. This is like ex-girlfriend shit right here. Oh, yeah. This is like 100%. super ex-girlfriend shit right here. Um, yeah. And of course, Scorpio is like, yeah, I can totally relate. And it's like, mm, I can, yeah. can you, Scorp? <laughs> but, you know, she's following along with what Catcher wants. Yep. So that's all Catcher cares about anyway. Yep. Yep. So the end result of this whole exchange, Super Pal Duo is going to prom. And I love that Catra uses the um uses the phrase, which is something that is used so many times in so many different like prom conversations or is a theme for proms is we'll make this a night no one will ever forget. Oh. Which sounds more and more like we're secretly planting a bomb, which they later do. But yes. Like, you know, they'll all be dead. No one will ever forget. No one will <laughs> No one will ever forget because they'll be dead. You know, it will go down in infamy yes. this night. Oh, my goodness. That's dark, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to move back to Bright Moon? Before we go to Adora's room, we're back in Bright Moon with a hallway walk and talk with Bo and Glimmer. Yep. She asked if I said yes. I didn't think it would be a big deal. And Glimmer's... Yes, it's super duper a big deal, but Glimmer's like, it's not. It's totally not. I just don't get when you even had time to talk about it. And Bo was like, oh, yo, she was slick. And I, this is fucking slick, though. Yeah. Perfume is just like, plant bending, plant bending. Hey, you want to go to the ball with me? Okay. Sure. Plant bending, arrows. <laughs> yep. And as soon as he says, sure, it's not just more plant bending. And then she like ascends on a platform of vines. Yo, Perfume is powerful as fuck. I know. That was, that's some crazy shit. So. I love her. And she's so pretty in this episode. Yeah. Everyone is pretty in this episode. I know, but she's just like this like beautiful hippie princess with the flowers yeah. in her hair. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm jumping ahead of myself because formal wear. <laughs> yes. Well, no one could blame me for that. Dear listeners, Meph has a thing for formal wear. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's delightful. It is. I I am I am a delight, Jenny. What can I say? <laughs> I've always had problematic issues with formal wear, but I think it's because like I was trying too hard to fit squarely on the girly side of the formal wear, and you know I don't. And I also knew I didn't want to swing all the way to the other side. But, you know, you can mix it up. Totally. In so many ways. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yes. Where Glimmer is like... Glimmer is super insecure about going to the ball without Bo as her plus one. Even though he's going and he's going to be there with her. And he keeps saying, we're going to be there. 
We'll all right. be there together. But she wants their usual party routine where they wear matching outfits and make jokes and get ice cream afterwards. Yep. The way they always do it. And Bo was like, well, we can do that. Just we can do it with other people. Right. And he's like, well, there's nothing wrong with a new thing, which is perfectly true. It's totally perfectly true. So I'm going to start this, Jenny, and I kind of want to see if you'll follow me in on this. But so we've this is kind of where we start to draw the parallels, maybe not start to draw the parallels, but we have a lot of parallel parallels in behavior and choices between Glimmer and Catra. Hmm. Okay, say more. Sure. This is right after Catra goes on her gay ass rant about People who aren't as oh, cool as you. Yeah, I get where you're going Taking now. your yeah. your people, leaving you by yourself or whatever the, whatever the, right, the fuck right, your right. insecurity right. is. Once they take your people and they change your people into something else and then your people no longer are your people. Exactly. And so we kind of see that, once again, Catra just externalizes all of her emotions because she's, that's what she does. That's how she processes. And that's how Glimmer does too. We're seeing that Glimmer is having a similar type of conflict with her people as well. So I want to kind of put a pin in this and see how that's going to work. Moving through the episode. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I feel good about that. And I mean, I think Glimmer is processing her experience of that differently. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, trying to keep it to herself more because she's embarrassed about it and she's insecure about it. Right. Like if she could just come out and say what she needs to say and hear what Bo's answer is and really hear it, then it would just be fine. And she's also not trying to ruin anything. She's trying to, right. you know, she's trying to heal something. So. Right. She's insecure about change. Exactly. She, she doesn't have faith that Bo will still be her friend while also being other people's friend in the same way that little Catra did not believe that little Adora would be her friend if she was also Lonnie's friend. Mm-hmm. Aww. And other people like that. Aww. So we get it. It's a good comparison. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, Bo walks away. Glimmer's like, I like our thing. Yeah. But Glimmer barely has two seconds to pout, right? Until Adora's like, we have a plan now. And just like grabs her, <laughs> pulls her into her bedroom where she has like- For a full consultation of her strategic prom battle plan. Yeah, but it looks like those like crazy person serial killer walls where like, you know, the strings connecting here and then here and here. Like Adora's obsessed with getting this right. Well- you could see it as a crazy person serial killer wall. You could also see it as like a war room. That's how I was reading it. Is it like Adora's falling back on what she knows? Yeah. This is like a military situation. She has prepared for combat. It's a war room. I'll cop to that. Either way. I think either way it could go. Might be a little of both because she's definitely obsessive about it. She's obsessive and she's anxious and she's falling back on what she knows. Yes. She only knows how to prepare for things in a military sense. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, she's got her her war table with the little figurines. And the dance floor has been split into quadrants. Yeah. She split the invitation into its base components of rules, dance rules, etiquette rules, rules for greeting the hostess. Once again, going back to the novel of manners. Yes. And, you know, she has the ballroom broken down into quadrants. And now, you know, she's done her further study there and she's ready to be quizzed with flashcards. And she made an obstacle course. <laughs> My goodness, Adora. So she's feeling good. Yeah, no, she's feeling great. She's she's fully prepared for any contingency that they can throw at her because she is going to win 
this. She's going to win prom. She's going to win prom. And honestly, that's an, I, I'm fine with that attitude. <laughs> like, I'm going to show up and win prom. <laughs> yep. Like, not yep. like win prom king or queen or whatever. Just win prom. Yeah. And yeah. like, go get it. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, uh, in a way that only Adora can do, she <laughs> she maps out people's relationships with each other by strength. Yes. Oh, my gosh. She's like, okay, so um, Frosta is aligned with the Star Sisters, um, who I believe are different than the Star Siblings, who we meet in season five. I don't think so. I don't, that's actually kind I of I think an, they're the same siblings, but the oldest sibling, this is pre-transition. Yeah. Jewel Star is trans, but not yet. I don't, I don't know if that's true. I think they just kind of fucked it up in the writing. Yeah. I mean, they did fuck it up because it also doesn't make sense because the star siblings they meet later come from a different planet. Exactly. And these are very specifically Ethereans because they have relationships with Mermista. But not with Sweepy, who's dating Peekaboo, as you can tell by the string. Up means yes. friends, down means frenemies. So much going on here. And she's done this for the sake of studying. Yep. You know, and she's ready to be quizzed. She's got it all down, except for Glimmer saying like, cool, so uh, so what are you wearing? And she's like, oh, I was just going to go with Shira. She has better hair. Oh, Adora's hair envy is so cute. Oh, yeah. Adora with the Shira hair envy. It's really cute. So, but then Glimmer has to smack that down, be like, no, you can't do that because no weapons. She pulls out a little like side tab from this like 20 foot long scroll invitation. It just says, no weapons. (laughs) And Adora's like, I should have. So this is the first episode, I believe, where we do not see Shira. We only see Adora. Yeah. Because this is all Adora's, this is all Adora's battle, right? This is Adora as a princess. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, And being kind of thrown into what this, what being a princess means with etiquette and, you know, because at this point she's, she's just been, she's had this mantle and she's a warrior. Now she yeah. has to do the princess part of the princess of power. She hasn't had to be part of princess society. Exactly. And so this is also like a debutante ball. It's a coming out ball for her. Oh, yeah. And Glimmer specifically said that a princess's first ball is a huge coming of age thing. Yep. So now Glimmer knows what this means. Ready? It's makeover time! Montage! Cue the montage! Yay! So montage, the clothing montage, is a massive trope in the teen film. And this one is so perfect and beautiful. We love it. It's so good. So um, this is definitely where we go from the novel of manners stuff to absolutely the pastiche of the teen film. Oh yeah, 80s prom. 80s prom, everyone getting ready. Adora would rather keep studying, thank you. And she does. She does! Glimmer does all the work of dressing Adora. So she comes up with these ridiculous dresses, like big poofy dresses. Of course, every prom montage scene has to show all the horrible dresses before you can see, before you can see the one good one. The one good one, exactly. One of my favorites is Glimmer's like, why don't you wear this dress instead of this? And Dora's just standing there in her boxers being like, nah, dude. (laughs) She's like in her boxers. She doesn't even seem to notice what dresses Glimmer is putting on her. She's just paying attention to her studying. Yeah, and I feel like she's just, yeah, she's super not in it. Meanwhile... Back at the Meanwhile, board. something else is happening in the Fright Zone. Gosh, what's going on in the Fright Zone? Oh, 
Jenny. Yes, Meth. I think I think we've uh, we've hit upon the um, the title of this episode. It's Catra in a suit. Yes, Catra puts on the suit. The suit. The suit that is the gayest moment of this moment. The gayest moment of this moment. Catra's suit is this burgundy, like burgundy with a pink trim. Um, it's a tuxedo style burgundy with a pink trim, open, wide collar, open shirt, like a, a magenta shirt untied bow tie which is like my favorite thing Ugh. uh three quarter sleeve rolled up above the jacket so the jacket is rolled up biker gloves no shoes and well the shoes are like a version of the biker gloves for feet. yeah they're strapped shoes because she has claws they're like toeless toeless shoes and ripped up pants yep Ugh. This, this, this tuxedo does not give a fuck. No, it does not. This is a queers and fuck you tux. Ah! So at this point, so when I first watched this episode, I was like, cool. All right. This is gay. This is gay. The second they showed this clothing montage and you just see Catra putting on the tux, I sustained screaming <laughs> for like a solid minute. Like, way longer than this scene happens. I was just, holy fucking shit. They put a character in a suit. They put a female character in a suit. They are a <laughs> punk in a suit. Yes. This is a suit. Yes. I'm with you. So Catra puts on her suit. She's good. And then she's like, she's like, my shit's together. My shit is good. But then she has to wait while Scorpia tries on every single shitty dress before she's allowed to get to the good dress, per the rules of this prom tv montage trope exactly exactly and that is a tv montage trope that you know also exists in real life it's definitely pro <laughs> it's definitely problematic in real life too because it's absolutely like the the idea that somebody that is wearing more traditionally understood to be feminine clothing has to be perfect right when somebody that is yes. wearing something that is traditionally understood to be masculine clothing can just put on this thing that's already constructed to work with them and then be done right. And also with, you know, female coded clothing, there's already, there's always so many more choices. Right. So you have to agonize over which one is the perfect one and which accessory is the perfect accessory. Right. And which shoes are the perfect shoes to go with said accessories and dress. Right. Whereas with this, we just have Catra in a suit, guys. I mean, come on. It's it's, (laughs) Catra in a suit. We're done. I'm done. I can't stop. But so the other, so Scorpia's trying on a bunch of things. Scorpia tries on a bunch of really funny dresses. So she tries on one. One of them looks like, uh, she's got the eye makeup that looks like the original Scorpia from the, from the original show. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, another one is she wears one that calls back to, uh, Japanese Lolita fashion. So Lolita fashion is, is is still a subculture, but you know, kind of started in the nineties and kept going. It is, uh, a subculture from Japan that is highly influenced by Victorian clothing and styles from the Rococo period. A very distinct property of the Lolita fashion is the aesthetic of cuteness. So there are different kind of uh, subcultures within Lolita. Um, there's like a goth one, classic, mm. sweet Lolita, uh, steampunk, like grotesque, like all of these different things. But they come from this like very Victorian-y fancy <laughs> I'm trying to think yeah like this very um over the top yeah. interpretation that's almost Matt, how do you know so much um i read wikipedia for fun that's right you do so we've got all that going on in the fright zone meanwhile Bo puts on his tux oh my god he looks so cute he looks at himself 
somewhat approvingly. Yep. And then he rips off his cummerbund because abs. Because are abs. his trademark. Yep. So then Perfuma shows up. Bo and Perfuma have their uh, their meet and greet. Mm-hmm. Right. Bo gives Perfuma um, a flower necklace. Yep. And Perfuma gives Bo a beautiful man corsage. Yep. Ugh. And then we cut back to Scorpia, who finally appears in the dress. Holy shit. Scorpia is a fox. Yeah. And that is another gayest moment. Himbo femme hottie in that dress. Oh my god, yes. That is exactly that gender. And I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's I- so good and so specific and unabashed. And her makeup and it's beautiful and she feels beautiful. And you can also tell that she's like not used to feeling this way. Yeah. And we have the traditional right before it with bone perfume. We have the traditional like here's a corsage. Here's a boutonniere. Then we cut to Katra who's waiting for Scorpia. And this is another thing, right? Like, you know, arms crossed, foot tapping, like just kind of a- <laughs> <laughs> kind of another kind of nod to that, like the suit wearer has it easier in terms of getting ready in time type of thing. Yeah. And then Scorpia just just like descends in this beautiful mm. gown. And it's just, you know, she's like, is this cool? And then Catra like legitimately smiles. Like it's a legitimate yeah, she smile. Does. She's like, it's like, wow, my friend is really pretty. Yeah. My friend looks amazing. And of course, Scorpia blushes. Yes, she does. Oh my God, a cute girl thinks I'm cute. Yeah, oh my gosh. It's the best feeling. Best feeling. And then we have cut to to Bright Moon. Adora finally finds her dress that she's comfortable in. Um, It's very much like a a gladiator style dress with like the gladiator style sandals. It has a high neck, shows off her, her arms. But, you know, it's it's fairly conservative. Yeah, it's just like a nice little red dress that's like not specifically like a sexualizing red yeah. dress. Yeah. And uh, Glimmer still thinks she needs something. And she grabs that same little hairpin that she keeps trying to stick in Adora's hair every time that Adora keeps sticking on the wall to hold things in place. Mm-hmm. That's... Uh, definitely not going to be necessary later in a life or death scenario so no worries definitely not i really don't think it's going to be um i do before we move on i definitely want to give credit where credit is due all of the formal wear was designed by uh the storyboard artist mickey quinn you can find really awesome kind of sketches of pre-designs of what they were you know working on um, before we kind of got to the final ones, you can find them on the internet. Cool. Um, it's really cool. cool seeing like the proto, but Catcher was always designed to wear a suit. Yeah, no doubt. There was never a question. I mean, I can't picture her wearing anything else to a prom. I can't either. It's also a power move, right? Like you just kind of show up of looking course. fly as fuck. Of course. Boom. Catcher in a suit. I also, I just really want to point out, and I really want to bring this up again, Jenny, because I think it's really important. Yes, please. Catcher in a suit. Catcher in a suit. Catcher in a suit. I have a counterpoint. Yeah? Catcher in a suit. You know, I actually think that maybe we should really analyze this with um, just kind of taking the point of Catcher in a suit. Hmm. Hmm. And then really synthesizing it with Catcher in a suit. Okay. Yeah. I could go for that. You down with that? I think we're on the same page. Okay, cool. All right. I love it when a plan comes together. (laughs) Let's move on to the Kingdom of Snows, a.k.a. the Northern Water Tribe. Yes, it's the Northern Water Tribe. <laughs> I mean, look at those guards' outfits, uh, even. I know. Oh, my God. It is the Northern Water Tribe. Northern wa- There's so much taken from Avatar in this show, and visually, that is yeah. absolutely yeah. taken from the Northern yeah, yeah, Water yeah. Tribe. So, yeah. But it looks great. Looks great. Looks awesome. Yeah. 
Adora has a minor meltdown over sword separation anxiety at the weapons check. At coat check. I love that instead of coat check, it's weapons check. Yep, yep. Don't put it with the other swords. It might get confused. Glimmer's like, just let's go inside. So they go in and- Glimmer has to like haul her away while the guard is like pulling the sword out of her hands. And then we go in and we boom, establishing shot. Oh, yes. Jenny, I have a really big note here that I want to see through to the end. Okay. The first thing that we see when we go in for the establishing shot is Noelle Stevenson and their wife, Molly. Yes. Molly yes. Ostertag. So we see- And on the, they're on the left, uh-huh. and then on the right is um, Spinnerella and Natasa. Yep. Yes. So we have these two married- Spinnerella, who is voiced by Noelle. <laughs> right. And we have these two married couples- Yes. On either side. So mm-hmm. that's the first big thing we see. Second, we look through the sea of humans. Jenny, there are so many genders. I know. So many beautiful queerlings. So many genders. So much queer. There is never an assumption in this room that any couple has to be any permutation of any gender with any other gender. No, no. The visual. Like, this was the second time I gay screamed sustained. Um, when I when I saw the episode, can't blame you. Yeah, because you're you're literally you're establishing shot and you're establishing shot. You're establishing montage of the ball just shows queer people. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Everywhere, all the beautiful queers. They're just like so many everywhere, and just and the way that they show those opening shots. They're just like frozen freeze frames. Yes, yes. It's really beautiful. And I feel like it adds, it really adds something. It adds a level of, um, this is a little over the top of a thing to say, but it adds a level of the sacred. You know, like this is a big rite of passage. It only happens once every 10 years. Mm -hmm. All of these beautiful queers are here together. And, you know, this is something that most of us would never have seen in real life as just the standard, like, this is what a ball looks like if you think of going to a ball. Right. You know, it's just like, it's something outside the mundane on such a deep level. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, just because of the fact that they never, you know, you don't just walk in and see people milling around. Like, you, they really want to make you freeze and appreciate the, each of these moments. Yeah, I love the idea that this is sacred, and I absolutely sign off on that because yes why thank you no it's fucking it's beautiful i love that yeah um and yeah it because it also it it it, it, i mean it elevates right it doesn't go snap 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 it's it's slow it moves through it's dreamlike and it it elevates this scene from from the mundane from the mundane into the you know into the sacred Yeah. yeah yeah i'm i'm there and i mean like then we hear glimmer saying this is one of our most ancient traditions so mm-hmm. that definitely speaks to that. Yes. And the really music. Does. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. The music is so good. I think I'm going to wait until we get to the scene. <laughs> okay. To talk about the music. Sure. Because it is so important there. But yeah, the yeah. music, the music in this episode is phenomenal. Throughout. The music throughout is phenomenal. It makes it makes it between, you know, the two montages because this episode has two montages because they just because they're extra through every single, you know, ah! Yeah. <laughs> ah! Ah! 
Jenny, gay screaming. Gay explosion. Gay screaming. Gay screaming explosion. Ah! Okay, but so first we go to, so we do the montage, and then Glimmer, you know, gives our exposition. We see a bunch of cameos. Can we say for a minute some of the people that we see? Please do. Please do. Jenny, you want to you wanna okay, do the Okay, I will start. I'll tell you who I see. Okay. I see the Star Sisters. Yep. Who may or may not be the same as the Star Siblings who we meet on that other planet in season five. Mm-hmm. Jury's kind of out on that one. Yep. And we see Double Trouble in a little corner in a yep. darling lavender top and purple miniskirt. Yep. And a big, like, fur-like rough thing. They look amazing. They look amazing. And there's a bunch that I saw that had question marks, mm-hmm. like... Is that the real Peekaboo and what was the bee one? Sweet Bee. Sweet Bee. Yeah, that's possibly the real Peekaboo and Sweet Bee, but there's always a question mark next to it in all the different citations I've seen. So like nobody's 100% sure if that's right. And then there's one that looks like Flutterina, Mm -hmm. but is labeled as Lukey, which I don't know if that's really supposed to be a nod to Lukey from, from the 80s. You know, from the OG. And there's also, in theory, the original Flutterina, which who knows what happened to her. Because we never meet her. Right. We only meet Double Trouble as Flutterina. Yep. And those are all the ones that I saw. I know there's more, but, you know, I'm not invested enough to spend a whole deep dive of worth of time to go picking apart every cameo. Yeah, I, you know, I actually was going to do that, but that's a level I might not even be at at this point. Suffice to say... It is known, and you know, when when I can actually dig it up, I will. That uh, a number of the people in this uh, in the prom are actual storyboard artists, friends, yes, writers. There's one named Megan Lloyd who I know yes. is real. She's like a friend of the show. She's not even someone who works on the show directly. Yeah, Laura Shrevny is also um, there. Yeah. You can tell because. Uh, Laura has Scorpio hair. <laughs> that is who Scorpio yes. is, uh... and she does in real life also. Yeah, that's who Scorpio was modeled after. So, I mean, we have those two as confirmed. Um, Yes. And, of course, Noelle and Molly. Yes, yes, yes. And you see Noelle a couple different times. You see Noelle almost immediately after we get our um, exposition here of how the princess's ball is the first huge rite of passage because then they go to... They step they step up the stairs uh, to go bow to Frosta and do the thing. But you see mm-hmm. Noelle actually does it before. So Noelle is the first. Yep. And then Spinnerella and Natasha. And then we have Glimmer and Adora. And so Adora, of course, precision. Yeah. Hold for one, two, three. A three. <laughs> She's trying so hard. She's trying so hard. And Adora looks up and is like, this bitch is like 10. Yeah. Um. And then we get another shot of Noelle reacting. Yeah. Um. So we're we've already gotten what like three three shots specifically yeah, of Noelle Stevenson. Least. And of course, everyone's like, Ooh! because remember, yeah. this is the novel of manners, right? This is the this is yes. This is the Jane Austen part. Yes, right? yes, yes. And also, right before they had their turn, um, Glimmer specifically told Adora. How important it is. We're going to meet Frosta. We really need her. If she joins, all the princesses are sure to follow. Right. Her kingdom is the biggest. Right. So immediately after, Adora blows it by yelling out that Frosta's like 10. Everybody's like, gasp, gasp. Frosta is like cool as a cucumber. Cold as ice, we might say. She's actually 11 and three quarters. Also, Frosta's a badass. She's a total fucking badass. We haven't quite gotten there yet. 
I wanted to make note at this moment of how much we get to see Glimmer's baby bi wings in this ep. Yes! And I just fucking love it. It's like she only breaks them out for the party. Yeah, exactly. She breaks them out. She's like, I'm gonna break them out for the sauna. I'm gonna break them out for the party. Yeah. You know. What up? These are my wings. You don't have them. My baby bi wings. Yeah. So Adora feels pretty bad that she fucked that up. But Glimmer says it's fine. There's plenty of time to win Frosta over later. Now let's rock this ball. Oh, shit. Oh, except now we have no idea what to do and we're going to stand in awkward silence for several uncomfortable beats. Because that is... Relatable content. Super fucking relatable content. OMG. Yeah. Oh, look, there's Entrapta. Hey, Entrapta. What's going Translation. on? Translation. Thank fuck someone we know. Um, yeah, right? Entrapta, always welcoming. She's... In her regular clothes. Yep. She's stoked that she's in a social experiment. Oh, yeah. This is great neurodiversity representation. Totally. For Entrapta. Totally. She's, she's here because this is a great opportunity for her to observe human behavior. Yeah. This is the perfect social experiment. And they have tiny food. Yes. Different groups are thrown together and forced to mingle. mingle. <laughs> Hierarchies form and break. It's the perfect place to observe behavior. And they have tiny food. Which she like has like on her person. And it's just like, oh, yeah. tiny food. Um, She's hoarding it. Dude, get it. I mean, that's. Yeah. We love you, Entrapta. We love you, Entrapta. And Entrapta's like, oh, is Bo here? I want to show him my new toys. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, touchy uh, question. Yeah. And Entrapta pokes the beast. And. You know, Glimmer's like, and we're all like, and then Bo and Perfuma get a glittery anime entrance. Ugh, and they look beautiful. They look very beautiful. It's it's framed so ethereal. Yes, and it's another one of those you know frozen image things. Yep, it's really drawing attention to like, look at this. This yep. is beautiful. Yep, it's a frozen moment. We want you to live in this for a second. And of course, you know, this is also this is also kind of POV from Glimmer, who like Yeah. We immediately jump to Glimmer's observation, which is they're matching, that's our thing. <laughs> and of course, yep. and Trapped is like, ooh, feelings seem to be getting hurt. Yeah. And then Mermista just blows in and she looks so hot. I uh, know. Uh, I'm here too. Don't make a big thing out of it. And we're like, ugh. So hot. It's like, why don't you want us to make a big thing out of your hotness, Mermista? Right? You are, ugh. So, anyway. People are just walking around in circles. <laughs> Not gonna get into whatever is happening there. She's just like, okay, nope. Just pointing to everybody's <laughs> drama and being like, nope. 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 <laughs> but then her own drama shows up. Yes. Have you seen... Dot, dot, dot. Enter Seahawk in shanty. See, Full on. She's a beauty. Can't you see? She's attending this with me. She's my princess of the sea. Mermista. Mermista. Oh. Hey, it's my crew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Seahawk. Mermista. Love it. Yeah, but Mermista doesn't love it for some reason. She is so wicked embarrassed to admit that Seahawk is her plus one. I wonder why. I know. At this point, I don't even understand why. I know. It's not like he's just singing there, like, singing shanties at the top of his lungs. I mean, maybe she's just embarrassed that he's singing his entrance at all. I mean, I feel like he's just... Not everybody wants an awesome, mustachioed, boisterous, you know, queer boy. 
But then why is she with him? Because she only secretly does. She only secretly likes it. You know. He is just her ride. Right. Just her ride. Just her ride. That's it. I am her plus one, though. Yeah. And he's like, nah, that's not true, though. <laughs> and he's totally good-natured about it. Uh, and she's just like, uh, do they have a kelp bar? I love kelp bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that throwaway line. And I know. It's great. <laughs> this is uh, Seahawk. To the buffet! Adventure! Yes. Oh, hi, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, people disperse. Yep. They're ready to experience this bitchin' ball. And it is bitchin'. Yes. So now we have time for Glimmer to be weird and awkward while Bo and Perfuma try to chat with her. Mm-hmm. Like normal people, and Adora eats everything. Oh my god, it's so good. She's so gross. <laughs> so also, uh, I don't want to overlook that when Perfuma sees them, um, she refers to them, uh, the two of them, as the She-Ra. Mm-hmm. And Glimmer, mm-hmm. because Perfuma still is very still in the like the legendary kind of space, and not in the Adora is my my person friend space. But also, very super much. duper has a crush on Daddy Shira. So, oh yes, yeah, oh yes, she prefers to think of Adora as Shira all the time because that's where her crush lives. Exactly, exactly. So Bo throws away that there's a winged a winged horse, a winged beast. Mm-hmm. Um, that ate all of the apples in Plumeria and then flew away. Huh. Sound familiar. I wonder if that's gonna, gonna come up in any place anytime soon. I doubt it. I doubt it too. It's, it's just a funny throwaway story, right? I feel like, yeah, it's a funny throwaway story they tell, they tell three times. Right. You know. But you know, you gotta have a fun story to tell at prom. Yeah, totally. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But so, Glimmer's being super weird and awkward. Bo specifically asks her if she wants to come say hi to people with them. Yeah. But Glimmer says no. She is too busy trying to make Bo think she's having fun without him, even though she is not. Yeah. So there, you know, Glimmer's distracted with Bo and Perfuma. Adora takes the opportunity to go apologize to Frosta for earlier and ask her to join the rebellion. She's like, I'm sorry I was rude. And Frosta's like, yeah, you were, bitch. But I can't can't expect you to know any better because you're just an honorary princess. That's right. Stone cold. Uh, and Adora, of course, is using any of the niceties that she may have recently learned. Um, which is, your kingdom is truly beautiful. I am honored to be here. And Frosta sees right through that bullshit mm-hmm. and is like, cool, so you want me to join the rebellion then? Yep. She's just like, uh, well, yeah, it's totally yeah. a good plan. This makes the most sense. You're the most powerful kingdom. Obviously, your best course of action is to come side with us. Yeah. Frost is not having it. Her kingdom has defended itself perfectly fine for thousands of years. And they're massive and they're powerful. And we just don't need you. Yeah, we don't need you. Also, let's talk about how the fact that like this this party has food. It's not just like yeah. it's not just like a couple of bags of chips and some hummus. You know, like Oh no. No, this is this is food. The ancient rules of hospitality would not allow for chips and hummus. You think anyone's getting wasted? Oh yeah. Yeah? I oh, think yeah. so. I think I think Natasha and I Natasha and Spinarella are like hitting the wine bar. They're like, <laughs> this is like, this is our third one. Like It's we're, prom. We're not driving prom. tonight. We we're not driving Uber. tonight. Hey, you remember our first one together? Ah, uh, of course. They're getting a little drunk and happy. They're Of course. There's definitely a party kale corner outdoors. Oh shit. Definitely a party kale corner outdoors. Yeah, I mean, open bar. Come on. Open bar. Open food. 
there's like there's fountains there's food yeah. fountains like they are not fucking around with their food and i appreciate nope. a party where you eat because too many people throw oh, parties yeah. where there's no food and you know what that is bullshit i'm calling bullshit i think if you invite jenny and i to a party there's gotta be food i agree <laughs> Yeah, let's go back to this party. We want to go back to this party, and we see Bo and Perfuma talking with uh, Noel and telling the story about the winged beast. And Glimmer and Adora regroup on a balcony couch that I bet is made of velvet, because that's what it really looks like. Bet you it is mm-hmm. made of velvet. And, and excuse me, and yes. Glimmer's like, where have you been? And Adora's like, oh, you know, winning over Frosta. Not winning over Frosta. <laughs> yeah, and then she finally notices how deeply preoccupied Glimmer really is. And, you know, like, tries to be there for her. And is like, yeah. okay, what's going on? Why does this bother you? And Glimmer's like, it doesn't bother me. Sure, it's fine that Bo wants to go be with, you know, people, you know, new friends. And that's fine. You know, they're new friends that I'm better than who, you know, giant sword lady, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Just like Catra. Just exactly. like Catra. Bo can hang exactly. out with whoever he wants. I just never had that many friends. But, you know, Glimmer is definitely much more about, like, is honest about how it's making her yes. feel bad. Yes. She admits that her fear is that Bo will make a bunch of new friends and like them better than her. And she'll end up getting left behind. And. Oh, I uh, know. Here comes the gut punch. Oh. <laughs> and Adora's like, don't worry. That's not going to happen. Bo isn't the type to leave his old friends behind, yeah. and neither am I. Yeah, gut punch. You know, loaded pause. She says, neither am. Yep. Dot, dot, dot. I. Because in that moment where she pauses, that's when we see Catra and Scorpio walk in. What's the opposite of a meat cute? Uh, meat ugly? I don't know, maybe. I think this is like the oh fuck moment. But she's literally saying the words that she doesn't leave all her friends behind as she sees Catra and Scorpia come in. And it's the friend that she left behind. Yeah. And so I have a two-in-one gayest moment right now. All right. What do we got? Are you ready? Yeah, you know, I'm ready. Okay. So my two-in-one gayest moment is that shot of Catra and Scorpia Mm -hmm. in their formal wear entering the ball. Uh And it's not just because of Catra in the suit. And it's not just because of how exquisitely queer they look together in their formal wear. Yes. It is also specifically, I mean, that could be one gayest moment by itself. Yeah, I think so too. And then the second gayest moment that is in that same moment is because of the emotional gut punch and gay processing we're all now going through at home because of it. Yep. Queer processing is the second gayest moment. Queer processing. Oh boy, queer processing. So much queer processing that Jenny and I have done in our lives. Yeah, so that's a double... Double gayest moment. Yeah, definitely. One is more meta than the other. One is more meta than the other, but I definitely agree. Um, And yeah, they walk in so spectacularly, beautifully queer. It is beautiful. We have multivalent gayest moments happening in this episode. I mean, they, 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 they're a good looking couple. I ship them. They're a gorgeous looking couple. I I ship them. If it wasn't like horrible and toxic on Catra's end, I'd ship (laughs) them. They look fantastic together, and it's like these like two perfectly, perfectly dressed queers rolling into a room full mm-hmm. of fuck you confidence. Because yes, because Scorpia also has the fuck you confidence here because she, yes, she needed does. it too. She's yes, like she these people never liked me, and 
And Catch was like, well, then let's fucking show them what we got. And they exactly. roll in beautiful. And they roll in with confidence and they stride in. They know they're going to fuck shit up, too, which is great. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> And Catcher gave Scorpia that confidence. She yep. really boosted her to be able to be like, hey, you know, you are worth as much as every one of those other princesses. They don't have a right to make you feel like an outsider. Let's go in and show them what you're made of. And I think that Scorpio, that even though there is definitely like a manipulative quality to that, I think that Catra meant it too, though. Like, I, yeah, like, I think she I really do. did. I think she was like, you know, well, fuck them. Let's go show them. Let's go show them together. Yeah, exactly. Like, on the one hand, it was self-serving. And on the other hand, it was also, you know, let's go do this together and we'll both show them. We'll show them. We'll show them all. Yes. Yes. We'll show them all. We'll show them all. <laughs> so this is the beginning of Adora being hot and bothered and flustered for the rest of the episode. Ugh. I mean, can you fucking blame her? No, but I just enjoy watching it. I know. I do too. So Adora, of course, tries to warn Frosta not to let them in, yeah. but she comes off so childish and petty that Frosta doesn't take her seriously. Oh, sweet irony. <laughs> I love that Katra is I love it when people are fuck you by knowing the rules. Yes. Katra's brilliant. I mean like that's that's something that like I don't feel like it's downplayed, but it's definitely played differently. But Katra is once again, she's a master tactician. She's a master of um her, she's mm -hmm. genius level social intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. She knows that if she shows up living in this novel of manners, knowing all of the manners, that she is going to get a pass. Yeah. She has perfect self-control throughout this episode, which is yes. sometimes kind of rare for her. Sometimes yeah. she has it and sometimes she doesn't. But she has it when she has this focus of like, I'm a fuck with a door. <laughs> yeah, but she knows exactly what her plan is. Exactly. She is so cocksure in this in this scenario. Ugh, she's so hot. Which is <laughs> also makes it so much more hot. Ugh. And my next note is Smug Catra Indignant Indora, the lesbian science lab proves in all caps. Yeah. Queer Science Lab proves that they, yeah. yep. Also, Jenny, I just really want to point something out that I think we might have missed when they walked in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's Katra in a suit. Oh, you're right. We almost flew right past that point. Wow. Katra in a suit. Noted. Fucking noted. <laughs> so the the Queer Science Lab has given us a great, a great beginning to the rest of this episode with smug Katra and indignant Adora. Because she sticks her tongue out at Adora, too. Oh, I know. But she is like, oh, well, we're following the rules. And Frosta, you know, she is the she's the legit grown up in this scenario. Right. Exactly. This is an ancient tradition, conflict free zone. Mm hmm. Princesses get invites. Mm hmm. And they get plus ones. Mm -hmm. They stay. Yep. Per the rules. Adora's pissed. Yep. And then guards. Who are these guards that just show up and grab Glimmer and Adora? Well, you know, they just look like more Northern Water Tribe guards. They've got the same face masks and the same big coat. The hair and the face masks. So Adora proclaims to anyone who might be listening that she will now be 100% focused on following them for the rest of the night. Exactly. So there better not be anyone else here doing hijinks, okay? Because I'm just watching you. Um, And she's like, I know you're plotting something. I'm going to keep my eye on you. And we're like, yeah, sure, Adora. Yes. That's why you're going to do this. It's not the fact that Katra showed up in a fucking suit looking hot. You're like, oh my no, God, my ex-girlfriend no. looks amazing. <laughs> yes, and Katra definitely... Uh, didn't plan it that way. Yeah. So that she could distract Adora while other people perhaps are doing things. Definitely in other not. But so, I mean, the rest of this episode 
The rest of the whole episode is just Catcher being cocky and teasing. While Adora is agitated and reactive, and fuck yeah, we like it. So I want to go back to... And I mean, Catra's voice for the rest of this episode is just set to flirt the whole time. The whole time. Oh, it's like, it is set to, like, not only flirt, but, like, that is, like, flirt. That is distraction <laughs> flirt. Oh, yeah. That is, like, on the distraction level. You know what I mean? That is, like, I got you on my hook, and I know it kind of flirt. that's the right, twist right around your finger type of flirt like that's oh, oh god catcher in a suit <laughs> catcher in a suit catcher in a suit will make you dive into a garbage basket Katra... and tear through the garbage yes until you find a note that says hi adora catcher in a suit would make me do that yeah and you'll forget that people are even watching you yeah you know you'll push people aside just to see catcher in a suit oh yeah you'll do whatever it takes we'll do it and by the way this is the second montage yes um so we've had two montages so we had the getting dressed montage and then we have the i'm gonna keep an eye on you montage yes indeed and meanwhile adora's making an ass of herself oh yeah adora has spent this entire ball making a complete ass of herself in the ironic 100%. twist of somebody who so fastidiously studied all of the rules and regulations and laws and customs and all of this stuff to make sure that she got it fucking 100% right. The second she got there, she blew it up. Oh, yeah. Because Catra in a suit. Because Catra in a suit. All that studying, gone. Gone. All the space in her brain that that studying had occupied yeah. is now Catra in a suit. It's all Catra in a suit. So that's it. Yeah, that's it. All right. So we're going through that montage. Yeah. And now we see that Adora has lost Catra, but then she catches she catches a glimpse of Catra again walking across the opposite balcony towards Entrapta. So go stop her, Adora, before she gets up to more bad shenanigans. But before we, we see any shenanery, we go to Glimmer, who's charged with keeping an eye on Scorpio. Right. And they're at the buffet. Yeah, and this is my second moment of uh, Lauren Ash's just phenomenal oh, improv. She's hilarious. What's in? Oh, this is good. What? I, I don't even know what's in this. G Sir, garçon, what's in this? Like, fucking. <laughs> I know. Fucking hilarious. A hilarious line. Great choices. So, and yeah, because like Scorpia is the muscle. Yeah. But she's also like so like upbeat and polite. Yeah. And cheerful. Everywhere she goes. She's such a, aw, she's such a cinnamon roll. You know, she is. She's our cinnamon roll. And she looks so dead fucking uh, sexy. Of course. Holy shit. As previously established. You know, we, we do a lot here about, about Catra in a suit, but Scorpia in a dress. Scorpia in that dress. Scorpia in that dress with that makeup. Yeah. Like, damn. Like that dress is so specific of a choice. It really shows off her shoulders and her upper body. Oh, so good. Such a fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so meanwhile, Glimmer seems pretty confident that, that Scorpia's not going anywhere. She's pretty stationary at the buffet. <laughs> yep. So Glimmer takes this chance to go after Bo because she sees him go by. Yep. And we think that Glimmer's going over there to say she's sorry. Or at least I thought that. I... And instead, she says, I forgive you. I, which... Eh, no. What the fuck, Glimmer? Glimmer. Yes, you have to know that your friend is allowed to hang out with other people. Yeah. Chill the fuck out, dude. <laughs> yeah, you can't be his only friend. Yep. And then for like, you know, what are you talking about? You have me plus Adora and everyone who joined the rebellion. Why are you forgiving me? Yeah. Um. And Glimmer just lays it out. And no, he explicitly says, I am allowed to have other friends. Yeah. 
And he explicitly sets that boundary. Yeah, and, and, you know. Change is scary, but that doesn't mean you get to take it out on me. And I feel like that's, you know, when we've talked a bunch of times about Bo giving the emotional thesis of the of the episode. And yeah. I, I feel like this is kind of like the undercurrent emotional thesis of the episode, right? The emotional drive of the episode is both with Glimmer and with Catra. Because any episode that Catra is in that has to do with interacting with Adora is 100% about the emotional life between the two of them. 100%. Their, their plot conflict is secondary. Absolutely. To their emotional journey, which is currently conflict. Exactly. And, you know, for most, most of the time, it's conflict. Yeah, exactly. Unless they're kissing. Ooh. Ooh. So while that huffle fuffle was going on with Bo and Glimmer, oops, Scorpia's gone. Yep. Oops, no Scorpia. Fuck. Glimmer wasn't paying attention to her job. And instead was paying attention to her insecurities. Yes. So we go to Adora running up the stairs. She's convinced that Catra is going over to push Entrapta over the railing. But actually, she's saving her. Hooray! What the fuck? And Entrapta's like, hey, look, this is my new friend. She brought me snacks. And then this line- My new research assistant. (laughs) Yes. She stole my food and asked me to spy on people with her. Is this what love feels like? Ugh! Which is like, again, translation of text. Ooh, ooh, Adora, are you jealous? Are you jealous? Yeah, there's like no question there. Like, there's no question that that's what that was. It's like, mm-hmm, okay, so I showed up with Scorpio, who looks fucking smoking, and now here I am, yep. just, you know, hanging out with this nerd chick. It's cool, it's cool. All these ladies love me. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying attention to you at all, girl. I'm not paying attention to you at all. Oh, but I see you chasing Mm -hmm. me the whole time. And Mm -hmm. Adora's like, but then just like, you know, says, and trapped her. She's she's from the horde. Blank stare. Like the people, the rebellion were fighting. More blank stare. The rebellion you're a part of. Oh, well, then we should probably keep a better eye on her because she just walked away. Ha ha. Good job, Adora. Yeah. And... Adora, I have here Adora's response. <laughs> oh, how did I get so <laughs> she got yeah. so mad about Adora flustered. Oh no. Just Adora's mood for this entire episode is flustered. Oh, well, can you blame her? Because as no. I have pointed out, the thesis of this entire episode, the most important thing in this episode. Catra in a suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course she's flustered. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be? Certainly the girl who has loved her since they were tiny babies. Tiny, tiny babies. Could not possibly be expected to, you know, resist this whole suit situation. This suit situation is a real situation. It's a real situation. It's a real situation. And you can't blame so, her. So, of course, no blame. No blame at all. No blame at all. It's okay. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just pointing out what we're seeing yeah you know it's like you're it's like you're saying you're saying my life with your words indeed 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 but now shall we go outside the hall to where Bo inadvertently stumbles across scorpia's heat bombs while he's looking for his cummerbund which by the way are scorpia's belt what about scorpia's belt the heat bombs are scorpia's belt oh those were the jewels on Scorpius belt. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, dude. That's I didn't notice that, but you're absolutely right. Fuck yeah, dude. So like, fu- you know, fashion in form and function. Yes, deadly fashion. Good job. Good job multitasking that outfit, Scorpia. So he runs and tells the guards, but for some reason, instead of helping him, 
they grab him and bring him to Scorpia. Dun, dun, dun. And Scorpia has this beautiful, confident gay smirk here. Oh, yeah. She stands with a Dora sword behind her head, looking and smirking and bink. Yep. Gives him a little sting. Boom. Bow down. Bow down. Yep. Because she knows she's doing the mission. Yep. She's doing what she needs to do. Catcher's going to be impressed. That's it. And she knows she looks good doing it. She knows she looks good doing it. Oh, and now we're getting to some more exciting stuff. Fuck. Okay. Are you ready to go back to the main dance floor, Math? I am. I'm so ready for this. This is so gay. Yes, indeed. This is so gay. Holy shit. What am I watching? Gay. Gay. Gay, 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 gay. Gay, gay shit. This is super, super gay. (laughs) (laughs) Pause it. Rewind it. Watch it again and be like, what the fuck? What am I watching? Oh my God. Sometimes you can't take it in the first time. No. (laughs) Well. No, I mean, your brain is like, wait, I don't believe that this was real. Please rewind. That's why I rewatched it. I'm like, oh, they did this. Oh, oh my. Because at at this point, I'm like, okay, everybody at this prom is queer. Nobody gives a shit about this. And oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Adora follows Catra. The lights mm -hmm. dim. So many beautiful multicolored spotlights, so many beautiful queer couples frozen in moments of radical queer joy, right? This is another one of those frozen moments that, you know, feels really elevated. Yep. They announced the first dance of the ball. Adora is pushed onto the dance floor. The spotlights Mm -hmm. go on. She doesn't, she's standing under a spotlight. Who's the first person she sees? She looks left. She looks right. Everybody's already coupled up. She looks left again. And there's Catra. Arm outstretched to her, smirk firmly ensconced on her face. And the the transcript I have is like, Adora grimaces, then presses her hand into Catra's. Yep. Jenny! Meth! I am going to talk about the dance sequence in the novel of manners. Oh, please. Let's go there. Okay, so first of all, this scene has two functions, right? The first kind of on-the-surface function is that is an expositionatory scene. We get some very important exposition in this scene. And, you know, well-known kind of trick is you want the exposition is boring, right? Exposition isn't the the most fun thing, you know, in terms of narrative. You want to get fun dialogue and, and, you know, but in order to have the fun dialogue and the character stuff, you have to get there with exposition. Of course. And you want it to seem natural. And you want it to seem natural. You don't just have, you don't just want to have three characters standing in a group talking to each other exactly so a great way to do that is to have exposition happen during a physical thing in this case we have the exposition happening during a dance sequence and this is a very clearly an old-fashioned formal dance yes where you know you go through these moves that couple you with different people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before you get back again to your own partner so i'm gonna talk about that okay so the dance scene in a Regency fiction, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Pride and Prejudice on this one, is often the scene where the tension between the two, like, couple characters is really exploited. So this is when, you know, this is when you see the tension, the, the uh, character tension that can exist within the confines of the social customs. So you're watching, you're, it's like watching the, the emotionality of these two, these two people strain against the formality of the scene. I love it. So it's tension upon tension. Oh yeah. Oh baby. And that is what's happening here. Yeah. That really is what's happening. It's the tension of the type 
of dancing. So, one of the fun things about the Regency fiction is that lots of things takes place in the balls. It's, you know, because the ball is one of the places where you can kind of very openly, very clearly show the particular customs of the time, right? And that's what yep. we're seeing here in Princess Prom. Like, it's very easy because it is a formal event. You have a very focused set of rules and regulations and customs that you must go through. Right. Right? So you have dances that you have to learn, mm -hmm. right? You have very particular um, times times in which you execute these dances. Hence Frosta saying, you know, here is the, you know, I call forth the first the first dance of the ball. And everyone knows what the first dance must be. And everyone knows what the first dance must be. So Jane Austen, in describing, you know, the use of dance in the Regency fiction and her fictions, called it the, the felicities of rapid motion. And I love that. Because that is kind of like the felicities. Yeah, sexy. The felicities of rapid motion is the tension that you're getting from... You know, it's like the the phrase itself is very confined, but what is contained within that is pushing outside of it. Yeah, but the felicities is also like you know, felicity is is a word for happiness. Exactly. So it's the it is the kind of confined ecstatic pleasure. Yeah. That you have within the tension that you're channeling into this one confined aspect of culture yeah. in which it is allowed. Shit's wild. Yeah. Let's go on Regency dancing, because I dug the fuck in on this one. I can tell. I'm excited. I didn't even know the words Regency dancing until you told them to me. Listeners, I spent a lot of time on Wikipedia. I obsessed over <laughs> this because this is one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. This is a truly great scene. It's a truly great scene. Um, and you can tell that the animators loved animating it, but digression. The way that dances are depicted in films that are, you know, set in the Regency period are not generally accurate to the types of dances that would be happening in a ball. Here's the fun part. I am going to tell you, talk to you about English country dancing, or as it is known in the United States, contra dancing. I, I know I've heard the term yeah. contra dancing, but I don't think I've ever watched people do it. It's, it's what happens here, right? Like, and you're not seeing it, but you line up and you dance with different partners mm -hmm. um like we're doing here so that's a really high level folks if we have any listeners and i'm guessing we do that are into contra dancing um please 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 reach out and give me like a, a nice little high level because i only know very small amounts and it's what my partner told me because my partner used to contra dance so teach me about contra dancing but i do know that this where they're lined up and they're switching partners and there's the tension of that is what the films that are based in Regency uh, fictions like Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility are taking their dances from. That is what we're seeing here. So, and we're using the different partners that Adora is dancing with because it is focused on Adora's narrative mm -hmm. to move the narrative forward. Yes, that's how we get the exposition. That's how we get the exposition. So first we have Catra. I don't know about you, but I am having a blast. Oh, uh, and Adora says, whatever you're planning, it won't work. So she's already admitting that she has no idea what's going on. And Catra's uh, like, are you sure? Mm -hmm. Because of the confines of the rules of the dance, mm -hmm. has to move away. Mm -hmm. She moves on to Meltdown Glimmer. Glimmer's melting down in this very... <laughs> 
very, very stereotypical girl melting down at the prom trope kind of way. I am about to fight with Bo, and you will be friends with me, and I don't know where Scorpia is. But she's like crying full out. She's not even embarrassed about the fact that she's crying no, on the dance floor. She's that messy, she's that messy chick at the dance, right? And then, right before Adora can get any more information from that, Adora has to then switch partners mm-hmm. to Perfuma, mm-hmm. who adds mm-hmm. again to the rest of the there. Have you seen Bo? He went to get his cummerbund, but that was a while ago, right after the same time that Horde Princess left. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Adora is casually lifting Perfuma by the ass during this conversation, NBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's part of the dance, but it's like kind of awesome and ridiculous at the same time. Yeah, that's not like, that's definitely not part of like this dance form. That's just Adora just being strong as fuck. Oh, you don't think anybody else was doing that? No, 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 no. It seemed like they both knew that that was part of the dance. No, no, it is part of the dance. I'm saying in terms of the dance that I was describing, the type of dance that is absolutely not part of English traditional country Oh, yeah, of course, of course. That was very much the animators just being like, we're going to put like really ridiculous. Of course. We are not bound by the rules of 18th century British stuff anymore. Nope. We are only bound by the rules of Assyria. Which there are none. No rules. Yes. So then she has to twirl back to Glimmer. Yep. Who also has not seen Bo for a while. She just thought he was with Perfuma. Yep. He wasn't. And now we got to twirl right back to Catra. Because it's obviously time for some angry hot dance floor scissoring. We turn back to Catra. Catra slams into Adora's front. And it's hard. Oh, yeah. She slams in and grabs her hand and says, maybe my plan. And like talks into her neck. Like, it's... Jenny! It's very erotic. Jenny! It's pushing the limits of how erotic a TVY7 show can probably get away with being. Jenny! Meth? Catcher in a suit. (laughs) Yes! Also, catcher in a suit. But, but... All right, now hear me out on this, right? (laughs) Catcher in a suit. That's a good fucking point, man. Yo, man, like, I I told you, I was studying Wikipedia for, like, six hours yesterday. And what I came up with... Was catch in a suit. I hadn't thought about that. That's a really excellent point, man. We're really complimentary. We're on, this. on the same page right now. We're vibing. We're, We're vibing. vibing. So do you wanna you wanna go to where Catra what Catra does next? But also, like, we're all about this angry, hot dance floor scissoring. Ugh. Yeah. Because now, like, obvious gayest moment, we all die like a lot. Yeah. Like in the series. That's what's happening. Catra says, maybe my plan won't work. But then again, maybe it has. Maybe it already has. The lighting shifts, gets darker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She dips Adora. Adora's leg is yeah. in between Catra's leg. So her knee is They are both up. fully balancing their own weight against each other's groins. Catra's leg, Catra's, like, Adora's leg and knee are against Catra's crotch. I mean, like. Yes. And. Catra's leg and knee are against Adora's crotch. It's scissoring. Yeah. It's not like that scissoring was when the, the, the crotches crotched. Well, they are, they're both balancing their crotches against each other's inner thigh. They're, they're both in an identical, um, symmetrical position with each other. They're both, you know, precariously balanced. Both of their weight is centered on this one point that is like basically, I mean, yes, they're as close as they can be to, like, fully, fully scissoring on a dance floor. Yeah, this is obscene. <laughs> <laughs> it 
this is obscene. And so this is I, this is another two in one gayest moment for me. Mm-hmm. So number one is just like that ridiculously hot, angry dance floor scissoring that made us all die a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking gayest moment. But then there's another separate gayest moment wrapped into that gayest moment because it's like, how did the Netflix executives say yes to that? You know, like we've talked a lot about how, well, yes, yes, Noelle explained that they never assumed anything about if the gay stuff was really going to be able to be canon and they had to work it out so that it was crucial to the plot. But that's the big end gay stuff. There's so many little points along the way where they said yes. And this is a big one. This is fucking TVY7. And these are two queer women fully scissoring on the dance floor. Both of their weight is balancing against each other's crotch. And they said yes to this. This image, all of the Netflix executives saw it and they all said yes. I feel like they saw this and they were like, after they saw this, they were like, and no, we can't do any more, guys. Chill the fuck out. But they said yes. They did say yes. So that's another gayest moment. How do you how do you do that? How do you one for Catradora and one for the Netflix execs? I like that. I like that. Because this is the more meta stuff again, where we're like having this cultural experience together that we have never had before, and it's so exciting. And it's a huge part of why we all need to gay scream together. I agree. I thought you would. I do agree, Jenny, because you know what? Catra in a suit. Catra in a suit. Because Catra in a suit. That's a, that's a good follow-up to, to the original point. I feel like that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No arguments. So let's talk about the music for a second, folks. So the composer for this, um, uh, her name is Suna, Suna Warmeyer, and please, if you... Um, I do not speak Dutch. Nor do I. Um, if you do speak Dutch or you are her, <laughs> we apologize profusely. Please let us know because we we respect you so much. The music in this episode is extraordinary. So It is. We haven't really spoken about her that much yet because I was kind of waiting for this episode because the music in the show... Did she write all the music? Except for the theme song, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So she's the she's the composer for the show. She's the, she wrote the score, and the way that she the score is fantastic because it really has like a it really understands the aesthetic that's going for, which is this very high drama cinematic experience. Because you know, there's a lot of very high drama, big horns, big swells, big strings, right? Yeah. Lots of big swelling strings because the the show it does have these really high tension, high drama spots. Yeah. Absolutely. It also calls back to, um, you know, 80s pop music, specifically like a lot of synthesizers, particularly like 80s tone guitar, guitar solos. Oh yeah, for this episode especially. And this episode especially really calls back to pop music, particularly like 80s pop music and 80s inspired pop music, because not all of it is very like the pastiche of the 80s, like uh, this is an 80s song, though some of it is. Some of it is taking the music that was made, like, I'd say in, like, the early 2000s, right? Because this was a pretty big thing in the early 2000s, where there's a lot of, like, throwback music that was, that really was informed by 80s music. That has, like, kind of an indie rock vibe to it. And then that's kind of what we're doing with a lot of the stuff here. The montage, for example. Um, The montage song is very much, like, indie rock inspired, 80s inspired type of thing. Whereas when we get to the prom, we get this gorgeous gorgeous kind of really beautiful melding of the 80s kind of slow dance 80s prom music john hughes 
soundtrack aesthetic mixed with these, you know, really lovely sweeping strings when we walk in. It really sets the tone. It's also a lot of like modern pop music uh, sensibilities with, you know, some of the rhythms that are used and some of the drum tones that are used. The reason I'm bringing this up now is because the Catradora theme is in a couple of different parts and it's called Promise. Mm-hmm. Um, you may recognize uh, kind of one of the major um, one of the major themes of Promise is uh, you're going to recognize that as our theme song. So our theme song uses that that and like that is a major that's a major theme that is used um, anytime in the first season particularly when we see um, Catra and Adora interacting in a particular way. When we get to the dance where we have the mm-hmm. two of them in action with each other, because that's actually a theme that they used when they're in action with each other. We first hear it when they're on the skiff. We see it when they're chasing after each other um, in other episodes. Mm. And we hear it here. And here we have a, a different version of it. It's very much kind of like a a slow dance version, a very, very particular kind of like take my breath away um, slow dance version. Take my breath away is the Berlin song. And it's, it, it's as the like that beat. Ladies and gentlemen, Meth does the score of Sheer and the Princesses of Power. And so we have that beat going and the, the, like, so we have the promise score to that very familiar um, slow dance, 80s slow dance rhythm. It's fantastic. Yeah, so this is a really versatile chunk of music. It's a really versatile chunk of music, and it's used so smartly here. Yeah, I get it. Even I get it. Yeah, <laughs> even Jenny. I, I am not the one who has the music intelligence, but I get it. I get what you're saying. So that's what we see here. And then this, and then we see it drastically cut. Yes. Like after, like after Catra dips Adora and they're scissoring, where's your friend Bo? And, you know, she flings her. Where's your friend Bo? Yeah. There's so much power play in the body language that's happening with them while they're dancing and later while they're fighting. It's just one long continuation of the same kind of power play body language. It's the same dance. They never stop dancing. Yeah, exactly. Like they start dancing in this and they don't stop dancing until... They fall off a cliff. They they dance off a cliff. Yeah. They dance off a cliff together. And that that is their relationship. Yes. Like this is the place where their relationship dances off a cliff together. Yes. I like it. Thank you. So, yes, Katra says, where's your friend Bo? Adora's face has all the feels. And then, of course, Adora attacks Katra. So it looks like Adora is the one who's making trouble at the ball. Right, because Adora's fucked up so many times. Right. Although I will say it is undeniably hot watching Adora fully pick Katra up off her feet while yelling at her. Ugh, Right? Like, and that's not Shira. That's still just Adora. Yeah, by her suit jacket. Yeah. Like, this bitch just picks her up. Yeah. Even Catra looks like she likes it. Well, yeah, wouldn't you? I mean, of course. Yeah. If I was Catra, I definitely would. If I was me, I definitely would. (laughs) And since I am me, dear (laughs) listeners, I absolutely would. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. I mean, fair. Fucking fair. But then before things can go any further with that, Frosta ice bends a little stalactite prison to hold Adora captive while she officially banishes her from prom for violating the no violence code. Yeah. Because she really seems like the instigator of all the violence. She's the only one fucking up. 
right? Yep. But before Frosty even finishes formally banishing Adora, all the heat bombs start to go off. Yep. Oh no! Oh no! Frosta yells, remain calm at the entire ballroom in a way that is not very calming. No, it's not. I mean, but if anybody ever yells, remain calm, chances are you're not calm. So chaos, chaos, screaming, screaming. Adora tells Glimmer to go after Bo. Scorpia got him. Yep. Catcher shows up to Gaylene oh so smugly against the angled side of Adora's tiny prison. Catcher, what did you do? I didn't do Jack, but Scorpia, Lonnie, and Kyle did. It was On the fun. other hand, have been very busy. Yeah, it was fun distracting you, though. Oh, yeah, it was. We all screamed super gay because you definitely had a really good time scissoring on the dance floor because you're trying to fuck with your ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And she definitely did have a super good time distracting her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. And then some big ice columns crash. Adora is freed from her little stalactite prison. Time for a chase, but not before Adora makes some more flustered, angry sounds, which is just... Yeah. She's just like, ugh. Ugh, People are going to get hurt. It's not a game. And Catra's like, no shit, because it's never been a game I want something bigger. No one's yeah. going to stop me. Yeah. Catcher's actually ahead of it this time. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? If I'm not going to get X, then I'm going to take as much as I can. Because mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. do we, when was the last time we had Catcher and Adora interacting? And I think it was Catcher trying to bring Adora back, right? Was it in the Seagate? Yeah. And so Catcher's uh, motivation in that was come back. And, you know, it was come back or Shadow Weaver will kill me. Yeah, she's like, well, you know, you're gonna come back. Right. Shadow Weaver's gonna make you come back. And I'm just here to fuck with you in the meantime. Right. And now she knows she's not gonna get that. Right. So she's like, all right, well, then I'm gonna get something else. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make the choice to try to go for something else. Mm-hmm. Something else that's going to lure you back so I don't have to hunt you down. Exactly. This is also kind of a double-edged thing, right? Like, it's like... It's never been a game to me. I'm after something bigger. She's after Adora's heart. Catcher in a suit. In like every way on every level. And Adora can only make flustered sounds. (laughs) Because Adora, (laughs) that's my useless Adora. Hey, I don't don't blame her. So we move outside. Glimmer is looking for Bo. Oh my God, she finds him. Lonnie and Kyle have him. They're dragging him into a ship. Glimmer charges into action. She takes down Lonnie. She takes down Kyle. But not Scorpia. Too bad. Night, night, Glimmer. Um, she goes down to a scorpion sting. Okay. Also, two things. One, mm-hmm. Scorpia gay smirk. Number two, excellent gay smirk. Yes, excellent gay smirk. Number two, Scorpia has a dope car. Oh yeah. So Scorpia's Scorpia's Scorpio mobile. I don't know what the fuck it is. The the her yeah her plane. It's like a cool um red and black like sports car. But it's like spaceship. a spaceship. Yeah, sports car, spaceship, scorpion. It looks like so the original show like you know the original shows were pretty much like every single episode they introduced something new because at the end of the day it was really about selling the toy. Yes, completely. This looks like something that they would introduce to sell the Scorpio mobile. Oh yeah. You know. Like it looks like no an, doubt. it looks like an eighties toy. Yeah. Yeah. Scorpio's got a dope ride. Lonnie. Oh, hey Lonnie. Oh Lonnie. She doesn't get, you know, really any screen time at all. Glimmer takes her out with like 
one little kick mm-hmm. and a glitter bomb, mm-hmm. which I feel like might not be realistic, but we got to let it go because there's too much else going on in this episode yep. for another knockdown drag out with Lonnie. I know. I know. Oh, Lonnie. Also, we got cheated out of Lonnie in a suit. We did. That's not- Maybe they were afraid that Lonnie in a suit would draw attention away from Catra in a suit. Oh, that's true. They wanted all the focus to be on Catra in a suit. Okay, but hear me out. Ready? Yes. Both of them in suits. I would not argue with that. No. I'm just trying to find the reasoning here. I, I, no, that's fair. Okay. And also, like, they had to be undercover because Catra was the distraction. Right. In order for her to be effectively distracting, there had to be shenanigans going on undercover. Right. And Adora wouldn't notice. And that's too distracting. Right? Yes. You have to have the right level exactly. of distraction. Exactly. So exactly. I guess one day we'll get Lonnie in a suit. Yes. So last little thing before we get to the big Catchador standoff, we see Frosta run over to the Kingdom of Snow's runestone chamber mm-hmm. and full on charge that shit up because she is a badass tiny ruler. Yeah. We have mad respect for her. Dude, so much respect for Frosta. She's powerful as fuck. Yeah. She's 11 and three quarters, and every inch of that has been fully juiced with power. With power and magic. Yes. And ice. And ice. (laughs) (laughs) To punch people with. Ice fists. Yes, ice fists. But so now, finally, it's time for the Catchador standoff on a random raised platform of austere stone above the cloud line with pointy jagged mountaintops dropping, jutting through the top. So that's not dramatic at all. Damn, damn, Jenny. I was just going to be like, yo, they're jumping on floating hunks of ice like Super Mario does. Yes, they do that. But then like the place they end up on for this final battle is super dramatic. Yeah, it it, it, it looks, this entire scene is like a, is like a video game, right? So like oh, yeah. they jump on floating chunks of ice and rise until they jump off into their, their field of play, which looks like, a place that like a fighting game would take place like they're going from super mario to tekken over here (laughs) (laughs) they're on this random austere concrete platform above the cloud line and the mountains that are poking through the cloud line are like super creepy pointy mountains yeah it's very bleak very bleak and cold and uh, yes and and alone and alone and it's just the two of them it's just the two of them and they continue their dance of fighting and they continue their dance of fighting with the ways that they do adora's all power Mm -hmm. uh catra is all agility Mm-hmm. Catra has her hands in her pockets Catra the whole time. Catra has her hands in her pockets the whole time. She jumps out of the way. She jumps on Adora. Adora and is- And she's laughing. Adora is running and ta- trying to tackle and swinging and having, you know, pure power moves. Yep. Until Catra gets cocky, tries yes. to s- actually throw an elbow. So mm-hmm. at this point, they're not really fighting with each other. Like, they're fighting, but they're not like- punching or it's like let's tango yeah they're dancing they're dancing right they're lunging yeah. they're dodging like catra steps on her but like no one is like catra's still just trying to keep her busy yeah exactly exactly you know she's playing with her prey yep she's really enjoying it. she's really enjoying it until she accidentally hurls herself over the edge oh fuck and that's a legitimately scary moment it is a legitimately scary moment and then uh, jenny do you want to say I'm, I'm sure you have something i would love you definitely have something written down here so I, I i just need to hear what you have to say i mean first we have to get to the moment adora catches her and pulls her back not by the hand kids by the waist please and thank you yes and so this even though i said we didn't have to pick a winning gayest moment 
this is the winning gayest moment and we all know it. This is the there is no heterosexual explanation for this moment shot. Right. When Adora has almost successfully pulled Catra all the way back onto the platform. But they get so distracted staring into each other's eyes that they forget what they are doing and just fall over the edge together. After something, I mean, something hits the hits the platform, but yeah. Yeah, it's not the platform. Um, Frosta's um, recharging of the runestone is making all the shattered pieces of glass slash ice come back together. But that's above them. But it makes... It makes their platform rattle a little. Right. But they're still, like, they're at a three-quarters angle bent over the edge, which, you know, they never finished pulling themselves back upright. No, because they're pausing, literally looking at each other's lips. Like, if you look at it, like, uh, she's looking at I her. thought they were just staring into each other's eyes. They were, and then there's, like, a thing where it's like, they're going to kiss. They are going yeah. to kiss. Yeah, but they forgot that they are not in a safe position at all. Because, Jenny, and I cannot stress this enough. Are you going to say catch her in a suit? You know I'm going to say catch her in a suit. I had a feeling on that one. I had a feeling. But also, like, Catra was equally as emotionally vulnerable in that moment as Adora. And it was only a moment between the two of them. Yes. Just long enough to fall off the side of a cliff. Yep. Yeah. Because they were thinking about kissing for, like, one second too long. Yep. Whomst among us has not run into this? relatable stuff relatable content so we've all found ourselves flying to our deaths off the sides of cliffs yeah praying that our ex-girlfriend might have a hairpin available that might save us and just grabs our hand our beloved hand (laughs) nice and you know is like don't worry i can save. i can get us out of this adora I don't want you to. Rinse and repeat times five seasons. Yep. Rinse and repeat times five seasons. <laughs> this is my next note on that. Because those two lines are just so core yeah. to their emotional journey. It's yeah. almost like the entire Tootsie Roll center of this Tootsie Pop. It is. And there's a Is Adora saying, hang on, I can get us out of this. And Catra saying, oh, Adora, I don't want you to. I don't want you to. And letting go of her fucking hand. Ugh, the hands, the... This is the this is the the hands the hand the the hands I montage know. another one where they're they can't they can't continue they can't have their hands held anymore one of them I always know. has to let go Jenny Catherine is so it's so hard I know I know she is she is it's so sad I know that was a heartbreaking moment that was a heartbreaking moment because first Adora legitimately thinks that Catra has just decided. To let herself die. Yeah. She just fell thousands of feet through the cloud line. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God. I mean, like, she's holy shit. She's devastated. She's absolutely devastated. And then Catcher's like, yep, I'm good. Uh Uh, And then, yeah, she sees the ship raise up with Catra and the Horde Squad. And they've got Bo, Glimmer, and the sword. And Lonnie Smirk. And there's a Lonnie Smirk. There's a Lonnie Smirk. But the way that Catra, like, puts her arm around Bo and Glimmer Ugh. and smirks at Adora. Such a fucking boss move. Like, and that's when, like, it really hits home. I think you said this last time that it's not the gayest moment from the end of last time. It wasn't just about Catra knowing that you had to get Adora by going for her heart is that it had to be Catra who yep. broke her heart yep. by stealing her friends. 
And that is indeed what's happened. Catra broke her heart when she let go of Adora, when Adora was trying to save her yet again. Mm -hmm. And then Adora is legit crying at the end. She's legit crying because all the people that she loved are gone. Yeah. And she failed to save them, including Catra. She failed to save all of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are the people that she loves. And she's left hanging off the side of a cliff. She couldn't even save herself. She feels totally worthless. And this is when we, I think, we have Catra, Colador, Princess. See you mm-hmm. later, Princess. Oh, yeah. It is a literal cliffhanger. The more, the most literal cliffhanger there could ever be. Adora is just hanging there, sobbing, while all the people that she loves fly away from her. Yep. Fuck. That pretty much is the, uh, is the situation. Fuck. I know, that's a tough fucking ending. I don't think we've had a tougher ending thus far. I don't think so. So I did want to bring this up, um, maybe to end it on a little bit of a lighter note, if we're okay with that. I would love that. Cool. So last year, uh, last July, July 14th, um, Noelle uh, tweeted that Catra went through all nine lives throughout the course of She-Ra, but uh, Adora reset them and saved the cat. Aww. Uh, You know, in the joke, it's like, in this essay, I will. And then they were like, hold on, I've calculated this before. So here are the nine lives. And the first one is burned a life for maximum dramatic exit at Princess Prom. So she was just like, man, I'm going to get rid of a life. Boom. Second one is spidered. (laughs) Yep. The third one is suffocated. So that is... what episode was that? uh, I don't remember the episode, but it's when Hordak takes all of the uh, oxygen out of a room that Catra's in. I remember that. But I don't remember what episode it is. Fourth one is portaled. Yeah. Um, which is one of my favorites because it's... Oh, I know it is. Oh, I love it. And when we get there... Because you love the whole Dark Willow trope. I love that Catra pulls herself out of the void. Yeah. Number five, portaled mm-hmm. again. Portaled again? Yeah, because at the end of, of Portal, when they both like disappear. Oh, yeah. So, yes, yes, Portaled yes. again. Number yes, six. double portaled. Ass fatally kicked by Glimmer in Pulse, which is a fantastic episode. Yeah. I love that episode. Yeah. Um, seven, ass fatally kicked by Hordak in Destiny Part 2. I'll allow it. Eight, burned a life to save Glimmer. Yeah. And then nine is primed. <laughs> oh, attracts. And here's a great little quip from uh, Noelle after that. Scorpia in Princess Prom after the cliff scene, holding Catra's body and weeping. Catra, speak to me! Catra, suddenly sitting up. Ha! That'll really freak Adora out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you, King Noel. Yes. Jenny. Meth. What did we learn today? Well, here's some things we learned. Okay. Number one, mm-hmm. Catra in a suit. Catra in a suit. Yep. Number two, uh-huh. Catra in a suit. Catra in a suit. Okay. What about yes. no- number three? Number three, I feel like I forgot to mention something. Oh, wait. Catra in a suit. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, you... You totally meant to mention that earlier, and you totally- I did, it, like, I did. I watched it, like, leave your brain. Yes, yes. But also, like, Scorpia. Scorpia in formal wear. Scorpia in formal wear. Fucking gay as shit. So gay. In the hottest way possible. Ugh. I- Dance floor scissoring. Dance floor- Is allowed now on TVY7. <laughs> yeah, we love it. <laughs> Let's get this past the censors. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is just, every time they say yes, it just pushes the line forward and forward and forward. I love it. It's resetting, you know. So it's like, the next time, the line is already way out there. So the next time there's a a gay 
a gay children show afoot, they can start where the line is already way, way out there. So we know all this shit is already cool. Mm-hmm. We can push even further. Yeah. Hallelujah. Catch her in a suit. Catch her in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you wanted to join us in more gay screaming about Catch her in a suit, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also email us at heyadoracast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at heyadoracast. I have been making Spotify playlists for each episode. This week's playlist, Princess Prom, is totally 80s and is available on Spotify right now. You can find the link in the show notes or by visiting us at heyadora.gay. That's right, .gay. And remember, queer joy is radical. And queer love saves the universe!